Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. So here we are. We are on Palm Sunday. Amen. And we are looking at John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. And uh, if you're wanting a Bible outline of this, I will go back later and post the link so you can get all the points uh, that I am uh, putting out here with the scriptures and whatnot. So uh, we will definitely have that for you later. But as we see here, have you ever rewatched a movie that you only cringe at when there is that tense moment? Don't get me wrong. You love the movie, but there's that one moment to where you know where the story's going. You know what's going to happen. And you can just kind of feel the hair on the back of your head. Anybody got a movie that they that they think of or a story that they think of like that? If you do, just throw it in the comments there. It would be interesting to see what you all think. But uh, as I was preparing this message, this scene in the Bible is one of those moments to where, although everything is very uh, popular and, and everything is very festive and it's a, a party atmosphere, those of us that, that know the story and those of us that know the scripture know that there's a, a tough time that's coming. So we're, that's what we're looking at today. You see, this morning we look at one of the greatest stories of tension in the world. You know, those, those great stories, they, they give you tension, they make you tense, and then they have a resolution at the end where you like, oh, you know, everybody loves a, a well-written story. But you, as we look at Jesus, this story, we know how it ends. And we will celebrate it next week. We will celebrate his resurrection. We will celebrate the fact that he is coming back. But before we do that, we have to go through the cross. And even before the cross was his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So the thing that we see is is Jesus. All of these miracles that he performed and all of these sermons that he taught and all of these healings that he, he administered, All of these things led Jesus to this point. So you find it amazing, as I do, that Jesus is the only man. Check this out. Jesus is the only man that chose to be born. And he is one of the few people that chose to die. Unlike you and I, we had no choice in who our family was. We had no choice in how we came into this world. And sometimes we don't even have a choice on how we go out of this world. But Jesus chose to be born. To, 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 to leave heaven, to leave his throne and come to this earth. That's the kind of loving Savior that we celebrate today. And so we pick up the story this morning with the highest point of popularity in Jesus's life. I'm sure that if if TMZ and and Extra and all these other news shows would have been available during those times, I'm sure that they would have covered this event. This would have been bigger than the royal wedding. I mean, here we see this this person that has done all of these amazing things come into Jerusalem for the Passover. And people, there is just a fever pitch of excitement for him entering in. And so the moment he enters Jerusalem before his resurrection on Palm Sunday, we will see why it is called Palm Sunday in God's word. So let's jump in. How about it? We're going to start with verses 12 and 13 of John chapter 12. So I'll say that again a little slower. We are in John chapter 12, and we're going to start with verse 12. And many of you in your Bible, you will see the triumphant entry as the headline there. Or if you have the Bible app, you can actually go 
on your Version Bible app and go to the events page. And then when you hit the events, it'll use your location. It'll show you the outline that you can link to that has all of this on there as well. But whatever copy of God's word you have, uh, would you please join me in reading this? We see in verse 12, verse, or chapter 12, verses 12 through 13, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, it swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. And they shouted, praise God. Some translations say, Hosanna. But they shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And it says, hail to the king of Israel. And this verse here is actually a call back to it's what we call prophecy being fulfilled. It's a call back to Psalm 118 verses 25 and 26 that were written 100 years before this happened where it says, blessed is the one. Who comes in the name of the Lord? In Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 15, the prophet said, And the Lord himself, the king of Israel, will live among you. So this entrance into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday is no accident. The reason we call it Palm Sunday is because the people that welcomed Jesus were waving palm branches at the majesty of their king coming into Jerusalem. And so when you see the cry here in the scripture that says praise God or as other translations say Hosanna the term Hosanna actually means save us like someone crying out for help it says blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord the the cry of Hosanna is a Hebrew word that had become a common greeting for someone that actually meant save or help And so unknowingly, these people were crying out to Jesus, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be to glory to God in the highest. They are saying, please save us. And that is exactly what he came to do. The palm branches people carried and waved palm branches to signify they were worshiping a victorious ruler. It would be very similar to in our culture when Uh, especially back in the day when astronauts would come back from their space exploration or or you would have teams that would win uh, big competitions. They would go through their city and they would have what they called a ticker tape parade. Now it's just confetti and balloons, but but they would throw all this stuff out and just show how much that they loved uh, whoever it is that they are honoring. And so the people of Jerusalem were honoring Jesus and crying out to him and waving the palm branches in the air. You see, here's the thing. Jesus gives people hope that they're looking for. And if you're looking for hope today, my friend, I want to tell you that it is found in Jesus Christ. I know that sounds like the top five things a preacher would say, but I'm not talking to you as a preacher. I'm talking to you as a man, as a human, as somebody who has had bouts of no hope, that has had bouts of weak faith. I am not perfect, but I have hope and you can have hope. In Jesus who comes to you today, because you know as well as I do that we have to have faith in a leader to keep our hopes high, whether it be our families or our churches or our government or uh, our world leaders. We need strong ethical leadership because that brings hope, even in times when there is little Notice verse 13, it says the people gave him the title of king. They say, hail to the king of Israel. They gave him the title. 
Why would they, why were they like this? Why did they worship Jesus so much? I would like to tell you it's because they were all spiritual and they all were wanting a relationship with God and they were all wanting forgiveness of their sins and they all believed that he was the Messiah. I would like to tell you that that was the case, but it wasn't. Most of the feverish devotion that he had were people that knew that he had done these miracles. They were looking for a king, not a, not the eternal king, but a worldly king that would help them restore their nation so that the people of Israel could be powerful once again over their enemies. They were looking for a king that would make them safe. They were looking for a king that would save their souls. They were looking for a king that would bring peace. And they were ready to embrace Jesus. Or were they? You see, the second thing we see is that here comes the king on a donkey with a question mark in verses 14 through 16 of chapter 12. We're just following right down chapter 12, starting with verse 14. And the thing is is that Jesus was the best at keeping people's selfish ambitions in check while proving at the same time who he was. He did that with the disciples. He did that with the Pharisees. He did that with the people that he healed. He did that with the people that he taught. He had a way of of getting the point across. We see in verse 14, it says, Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. Now, this was written a long time ago. Before it ever happened. This is another event of prophecy. So should we take Jesus seriously? Here's what they were thinking. Should we take this king seriously? The people were expecting a king on a horse with pageantry. But they got a mysterious carpenter riding on a donkey. Do you see how that kind of had a way of letting the air out of their balloons, so to speak? This image really did a lot to mess up the picture of Jesus that they were trying to build up in their minds and in their hearts. You see, everyone tries to build up people. Check this out. Everyone tries to build up people in their heads to worship, to love and devote themselves to. You've got to understand that we were wired to worship, whether you are a believer in Jesus or whether you reject Jesus or whether whoever you worship, whatever you do with your time and your money. We are all worshiping something. Where do we devote our money? Where do we devote our time? Where do we devote our resources? You see, there are some that may be listening to this that are crushed, that they have no basketball to cheer on right now. March Madness was going to be a basketball tournament. Now it's just a coronavirus. Can it get any more maddening than that? But you see, fans of football are hoping even that there will even be a season this year. Concert goers are now stuck to seeing their favorite stars on Skype and FaceTime and all these other videos in their in their pajamas, in their in their closets, in their 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 living rooms and in their kitchens and and hey that's fine and and I applaud those that are still trying to entertain us in the midst of these terrible terrible days but the truth of the matter is is that people are still looking for people and things to worship and to lift up you see it's heartbreaking when the idols that you have lose their shine People are not shining as much anymore. There's not the glitz and the glamour. There's a a huge slowdown. 
We're having to spend time with family. We're having to to be real with our thoughts. And hopefully we have people that are turning to God's word for encouragement. This is a great opportunity for you and I as Christians to share hope, to share Jesus, to share the gospel message with people that are looking for hope. Will it cure the coronavirus? No, but it will cure the eternal virus of sin and death and separation from God. But it's heartbreaking, isn't it, when the the people that you worship, the things that you worship, fall. Why was this powerful, almighty king that they were worshiping riding on a donkey? Well, again, Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. And if you go back in Zechariah 9.9, this whole story was written there about him coming to Jerusalem on a donkey. If you want some backstory for that, you can definitely go to Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 29, because Luke tells the same story with just a few different details. And it says, as he came to the town of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. And if you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say the Lord needs it. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not a, a farm hand. I've not raised horses nor donkeys. I've never tried to ride a donkey. But I do know that uh, people that have tried to ride a donkey, trying to break them, from what I understand, is probably a pretty tough process. Donkeys don't like to be ridden. But yet, this donkey was what Jesus needed. It says in verse 32, So they went and found the colt. Just as Jesus said, and sure enough, they were untying it. The owners asked them, hey, what are you doing with that donkey? And the disciples replied, the Lord needs it. Okay. Now, I wouldn't try that going into somebody's backyard these days and just grabbing something and them asking you, what are you doing with their stuff? And you say, oh, the Lord needs it. <laughs> you may need the Lord if you if you do that. But this was prophecy. This was Jesus. This This was he had gone ahead and arranged this. Before time even existed. The point here is that the prophecy was being fulfilled. And his humble entrance on the donkey was meant to prepare the people for the type of king he was. So when you think about the fact that he rode in a donkey, you probably like me, a king on a donkey? Really? But when you and I worship Jesus, we must do so. Check this out. When we worship Jesus as king, we must do so for who he is, not what we want him to be. Think about that. When we worship Jesus, we don't worship him for what we think he is and what we want him to be. We worship him for who he is. Jesus is the king of kings. And the Lord of Lords. He is the Messiah. He is our Savior. He is a servant, a suffering servant. He is the picture of humbleness. So do not make Jesus your spiritual first aid kit and only pull it out and put a band aid on when you need him. And a lot of people do that. They say that there are no atheists in foxholes because when the enemy's pounding the The forces and there's mortars and grenades falling all around. There's a lot of people that find faith really fast, right? And you and I both know that the hardest times to get close to God is when things are going well. That's why this moment in time is so crucial for us to realize that there are people that are struggling. 
if nothing else, having to be with each other in a house 24-7 for a month now, it's probably driving people crazy. But the thing is, is that don't make Jesus the scapegoat of your willingness to repent from your sins. There were many people here that discounted Jesus because he rode on a colt. There were many people here that in this passage were waving branches just to make themselves feel better. Don't miss the significance here, folks. Jesus did not come to win your approval. He did not come to this earth to win your approval or mine. He did not come to be the next American idol. He came to die as a ransom. And that's the key word, ransom. He came to die as a ransom for your sin and mine. It says in Mark 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The term ransom was a word that derived from the old slave markets. And what would happen is, is that when the slaves would be auctioned off, there would be people that would actually pay to, to own the slaves only to set them free. And that payment was called a ransom. My friend, you and I are enslaved to sin in our sinful nature. But because of what Jesus has done on the cross, he paid your ransom and he paid mine as well. Jesus paid it by his blood on the cross, the ransom price to set us free. So do not miss the significance here. People were praising Jesus, but they had really no idea of who he was or the life-changing act that he would complete in just a few days. The third thing that we see in verses 16 through 19, John 12, 16 through 19, is that celebrate Jesus the King for who he is and what he has done for you. I'll say that again slower. Celebrate Jesus the King for who he is and what he has done for you. Folks, how many times do we need to read in the Bible that people, including the disciples, didn't really understand Jesus' mission until after his death and his resurrection? Next week, as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, I want you to remember verse 16. It says, His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Folks, many, including the disciples, understood for the first time who Jesus really was after the crucifixion and the resurrection. His words that all of a sudden they didn't understand now became life-saving. Can you imagine the power of the Bible if Jesus had not resurrected, had not been crucified, everything that he said he was going to do that he didn't do, we wouldn't be here today if that were the case. You see, his words became life-saving. And you will never fully understand Jesus and his word or his father, or even how to find his will unless you repent from your sins. What does that mean? To repent from your sins means to turn from them. It means that if you're doing them, turn from them. Turn in the opposite direction. And to ask Jesus to forgive you of those sins. 
and to come into your life as your Savior and Lord and to change the way you think, change the way you desire. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect when that happens, but you will have the author and the perfecter of your faith within you when you do ask Jesus to come into your life. You don't have to go through life alone. And that's what Palm Sunday is telling us. Some of you today may be dipping your toe in the shallow end of the pool, trying to test the water, but the treasures you seek will only be found by diving in. Why do I say that? The people that were waving palm branches, their faith was so shallow. How do we know that? It's because only a few days later, they were the ones yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Public opinion had changed. We need to worship Jesus the King for the right reason. Verses 17 and 18 says, Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. Verse 18 says, That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. So they have gone from waving palm branches now to, as we will see next week, they have decided to yell, crucify him. You see, they wanted the same miracle power that Jesus had shown through the resurrection of Lazarus. They wanted their loved ones to be resurrected. They wanted to be healed. They wanted to be part of that show. They wanted the benefits Those who were worshiping, they were worshiping to get their personal needs met. And when their needs were not met, that's when they changed on. That's when they turned. You see, the crowd or popularity that Jesus had, it waned, just as their devotion did as well. Their commitment, as I said a moment ago, was shallow. Now, here's the aha moment here. Here's what we need to remember. We must never want the healing without the healer. Let me say that one more time. We must never want the healing without the healer. I don't know about you, but those of you that have children or have loved ones or or have people that, that you give gifts to, what do you call a child that only loves you when you give them gifts? You call them spoiled. Sometimes we as believers become spoiled. Sometimes people don't believe in Jesus because they don't understand why he did or did not do something. And my friend, I can't tell you why that happened to you. I cannot tell you why that did happen to you. Why or why not? But God can. And don't want healing without the hand of the healer. Because my friend, I'll tell you what, I have people, I have a lot of senior adults in our church And we have prayer meeting and a lot of the requests are livers and quivers. And I don't say that to be funny. Well, I kind of do. But the truth of the matter is, is that we pray for people that have illnesses, that have cancer. And we have seen prayers answered where people were healed. And we have seen prayers answered where people were healed ultimately. Where they left this world and they are living right now eternally and more alive than they have ever been. But here's the thing, is that when Jesus doesn't act in a way that you want or give you the answer that you want, do not turn your back on him. Because, my friend, he never turns his back on you. And then we see also in verse 19 that Jesus will always frustrate the religious. 
Now you say, man, religious? What are you talking about? You are religious. This is a religious church. No, we are Bible-believing Christians. Yes, we are part of a Southern Baptist church, and we worship together because we believe that what the Bible says about the doctrine that we believe, we're all in accordance with. We believe that everyone needs to be baptized. We believe that everyone needs to be saved from their sins. We believe that we need to go out and tell people about Jesus, not because we are perfect, but because he is the one who makes us perfect. But see, there are those religious people, and religion can look... Just just like somebody, some of you out there, I know when you brush your teeth, you brush your teeth for a certain amount of times. Or when you chew your food, you chew your food a certain amount of times. Some of you, and I know you because I've ate with you, some of you don't like your food to touch. You don't want your food to touch. And then some of you, like me, I'll just put it all together. It'll sort itself out in your stomach anyway, right? But there are some people when it comes to their little idiosyncrasies and their little habits They are religious about them. They have set patterns. And sometimes in church, you know, you wear this, you do this, you don't do that. This is my pew. You find your own pew. All of those kind of different things like that. Those are religious. And those are things that that Jesus was not impressed with. Jesus wants us to fall in love with him, not the practices that we hold dear to our lives. At this point, the religious leaders knew that they had to do something drastic to squash the movement that Jesus was leading. It says that then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after them. That is the nail in the coffin. That is when they said, we are going to kill this guy because he is taking away our followers. He is taking away our power and he is taking away everything that we believe in. And they, in their minds, thought they were doing what God wanted them to do. But they were misleaded. Folks, don't be too stuck in your religious beliefs. Of what you think Jesus ought to be like, only to miss who he really is. So as we close up, I want to share this story with you. I can remember as a child going shopping with my parents. We were living in Virginia. I think the store was called Montgomery Ward, if any of y'all remember those stores. I guess you have to be an old-timer like me to remember that. But anyway, we'd go to the store, and, and like any kid, I would make a beeline for the toy section. So I was looking at the Hot Wheels and the Legos and, and the Matchbox cars and all of those action figures and all of those cool things. And all of a sudden, I realized that I wanted to get my mom to buy me one of those things. Yes, I was a single child. Yes, I was a little redheaded child, and I was spoiled, I'm sure. Donna just gave an amen. My wife. Thank you, Donna. But the truth of the matter is, is that I realized that I wanted to find my mom. So so I walked around and went through a few aisles and I finally saw her at a, a desk. And so I went up to her and I tugged on the back of her brown jacket and I turned around. It wasn't her. Well, this little cute little redheaded pudgy kid wearing husky jeans all of a sudden had a meltdown because the person that I had tugged on was not my mom. And I started crying. Everybody wanted to you know, get the kid quiet. I was frustrated and I was tired and I was scared because I was lost and I didn't know where my mom was at. Most of the people probably just wanted to shut me up. But the good news is <laughs> my mom heard my cry out of every, all the noises there. She heard my cry. She came running. She told me stop, to stop crying, of course. And she wiped my tears away and told me not to leave her again. Folks, here comes the king. On a donkey, while people are waving palm branches. 
If you were like me in that story, if your eyes have caused you to wander after other people, other things and other habits to save you. When those things have left you crying and scared, know that Jesus is the only one that you need. He will wipe away your tears. He will forgive you of your sins. He will restore you and make you a new person. Because Jesus is the King of Kings. And next week, by golly, he's going to prove it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our worship time today. It was a little uh, hairy trying to get everything cranked up this morning with the technology. But, Lord, uh, you made a way. And, Lord, if there is someone here today that has had the wrong image of Jesus, as they have been following the hype and not the healer, or maybe they have blamed him for something that he really didn't do. Lord, we don't need to reject you. We need to run to you. And if there's anyone here today that hears this message or on the broadcast, the rebroadcast, that hears this message and wants to know you as their Savior and Lord, may they please contact us either through this video or our page or our website. May they know today that they are Christian and that they are saved and they are not the ones that are waving palm branches in shallow devotion, but they are the ones that want the true King of Kings. If that's you, my friend, please contact us. Maybe someone wants to join this church, even from what they've seen through the broadcast here. Maybe someone wants to be baptized. Maybe you just need some questions answered. Please contact us. God, may you use this time for your glory. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.